Welcome to the Rooted Parent Podcast, which equips parents to think biblically about some of the most pressing and confusing issues of our day. The Rooted Parent Podcast is part of the Rooted Family of Podcasts, which also includes the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast, Ask Alice, and Thanos to Theos. We hope you enjoyed the first three seasons of this podcast, which included All About Boys with David Thomas, Sane Parenting in Insane Times with Cameron Cole and Anna Mead Harris, and Ask the Experts, also with Cameron Cole and Anna Mead Harris. In Season 4, Fear Factor in Parenting, Cameron and Anna discuss how fear impacts our relationships with both God and with our children. They'll speak biblically and practically about how the gospel eases our fears for our families, helping parents exchange the urge to control for the freedom to enjoy the teenagers in our homes. Without further ado, here are your hosts for the Rooted Parent Podcast. And welcome to the Rooted Parent Podcast, where we are in season number four, Fear Factor in Parenting. Yeah. And uh, my name is Cameron Cole. And I'm Anna Mead Harris. They call me... The big C. And they call her... Team Mom. That's it. And, um, you know, man, this has been such a good season. It's been edifying for us. And today we're going to talk about the fear of shortchanging your kids. Yeah, this is a big one. Huge one. I think parents across socioeconomic, socioeconomic spectra, you know, really feel like they have to give their kids every opportunity to succeed. They have to make all sacrifices... And there's this sense of pressure that parents feel, and there's this fear that they're they're just not giving their kid every opportunity. Oh yeah, it's huge. Uh, it, it can extend into the social, where we want them to have social opportunities and make friends with certain kids. Mm-hmm. We want them to get certain levels of education and achieve certain grades in those um, schools. We want them to have opportunities in sports or any kind of extracurricular music, whatever the extracurricular it is. We want them to be thriving in all ways at all times, and it's up to us to do it. At least that's what it feels like. Yeah, I've kinda, I'm kind of bobbing my head over here because I just have the Pet Shop Boys song in my head. Lots of opportunities. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pet Shop Boys you wisdom. You heard it here the on the radio. <laughs> Let's make lots of Some money. money. <laughs> yeah, lots of opportunity. You didn't know that you were going to get me singing today. I know, that's for man. free. And, uh, that's thank for, you. That's, yeah, that's thank for free. You. you heard it right here on the Rooted Parent Podcast. <laughs> that's right. Um, well, yeah. And so uh, this, I would say that I see this as one of the biggest fears and biggest issues um, that I observe with parents um, that it's really stresses them out. It stresses their kids out. It disconnects families mm-hmm. um, because there's this fear of, I, you know, I have to be giving my child every opportunity. I have to, they have to have the tutor. They have mm-hmm. to go to the ACT class. They have to go, they have to be on the travel team. Um, and, and, and there's this kind of slippery slope where, because if I don't, then, and then we start to spiral into our anticipatory doom. Right. That's the term I use, and therefore I have hope. Anticipatory doom. <laughs> you know, then they're, they're not going to get into a good college, and if they don't get into a good college, they won't get a good job. They don't get a good job, and, the, and then, then, you know, they're going to end up in a gutter. Uh, down in a van down by the river. In a van down by the river <laughs> with, uh, who was? Who Chris was? Farley. Chris Farley, but what was his character's name? Matt. Foley, oh, Matt yeah. Foley, 
<laughs> Holy cow. I was going to say Stuart Smalley. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. Oh. And doggone it, people like me. Well, no. Today, we're worried about being in a van down by the river. You're in a van down, <laughs> down by, by the, the river. river. Um, uh, anyhow. And, and guess what? There's That's... Probably not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. And you know what? If they are in the van down by the river, Jesus will be down by the river. Yeah, man. He can hang out down by the river. He can work in all kinds of places. Isn't that right? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) He does. Can and does. He does. All right. So we're going to review our concept uh, that we've been kind of working on. And that is the concept of good fear versus bad fear. We said good fear is we have an all respect and adoration for who God is. And so with good fear... It's based on the truth of who the Lord is, and it leads us to trust Him, and it leads us to have intimacy with God, to draw near to the Lord. Um, And so when we have that, we make decisions out of peace, patience, and wisdom, and really in accordance with God's word and God's direction. Bad fear, however, is based on a false view of God. we We don't think that God is for us. We think God is against us. We don't think that He's trustworthy. So as a result of that and bad fear, we... Uh, try to seize control because we're not trusting God, we're trusting ourselves, and it leads to withdrawal. Um, we we isolate from the Lord, and so we live and make decisions out of fear, doom, and haste. And so, um, and so, you know, today I'd say that an attribute of God that we're really going to focus on in terms of having uh, good fear is the the sufficiency of God. Mm. There's a there's a name of God in the Old Testament, El Shaddai, which means God, my more than enough. God, my sufficiency. And so uh, the, the reason that this is, uh, applies um, is because we believe that Jesus is enough for your child. Mm-hmm. Your child does not need accolades. Your child does not need money. Your child does not need an impressive resume or impressive education. Your child does not need to be an all-star athlete to have a satisfied soul. Uh, G- Jesus, actually, um, Jesus is actually enough. And, and so... That's that's something we're going to hit on quite a bit here, especially with this passage from um, Matthew 20, which is the first passage of Scripture that we're going to look at. May I say, too, that uh, I think when we're talking about shortchanging our kids from opportunities, it's also an, a, a chance to look at what some of our idols are mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. some of the things that are important to us. I want to have a child that achieves certain things so that people will think I'm a good mom or just so that I will think I'm a good mom. And um, these are these are really idle. If I know that God is my child's sufficiency and also my sufficiency, then I don't have to prove myself through a certain level of motherhood that gets me a gold star that makes me feel like I have achieved something as a mother. He's sufficient for for me and for my child, for all my children. Yeah. And so I think it, it's because this particular fear forces us to to see our idols, we need to apply this concept of his sufficiency to ourselves yep. as well as to our to to our fears for our children yeah because that's by nature our idols are things that we think things of creation that think we think will satisfy us mm-hmm. or justify us rather than god the creator being the one who satisfies and justifies yeah. us and so yeah it's natural like we want our that's what we really want from our kids we want our kids to be satisfied and happy you know mm-hmm. it doesn't matter you know i think that's pretty true of every parent yeah, every parent—that's their deep, deep, deep longing. And so, if I naturally think that being financially secure, or having an impressive education, or being a great athlete 
satisfies or justifies. And if I feel kind of self-justified because of because of any of those things, then you know I want my child to be justified. I want them to be satisfied. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to lead them to those false gods. And so you're right. It starts with self-inventory. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, which is, uh, you were getting ready to go to Matthew 20, which for my money is, as a mom, one of the funniest stories in the Bible. It is amazing. <laughs> Truly amazing. And hey, I mean, you know, if you've ever coached some sports in your life, you've met, you have met, um, you've met the uh, mother of James and John. Yeah, yeah. Or the, um, how was our honey, honey boo boo? Was that the stage Uh-oh. mom's name? The, the, uh, the girl on the girl or the mom? I can't remember. I think it was the daughter, but her mom was a piece of work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, bless, so here bless we have her heart. <laughs> bless her heart. Bless my heart. I, I want to do these things too. The, <laughs> yeah. Like the mother of James and John. She's got, uh, she kind of shows her true self here. So, uh, T-Mom, would you mind reading um, the first couple of verses there? Yeah. So we're starting in Matthew 20, 20. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request? He asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. Okay, yeah. So let's just stop there. I would love to hear in your words. Give a paraphrase of what's going on here. Um, well, it could be she comes respectfully. I love that. And and she's earnest. And she says, on your team, would you please let one be the pitcher and one be the catcher? Yes! Yes! <laughs> one well, be Jesus, the quarterback uh, and yeah, one the yeah. wide receiver. Well, listen, James has been working really hard in the offseason. <laughs> I think he should start at quarterback. That is... Nailed it. Yep. Nailed yep. it. Or, or okay, I have boys, so let me do the girl version. Um, we want um, the lead in the play mm. and the solo, the emotional, um, what's memories and cats, you know, the, the, we want that solo for our daughter. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get Love it because I, I know what this feels like. I really do. I, I imagine you, want a you do too. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. do. I don't know. Maybe as a single mom, was there a different, is there an element of that as a single mom? Oh, for sure. I so felt my inadequacy, uh, especially in, um, well, in every way in the sports world, it was definitely true. Um, I tell a story in an article I wrote on the rooted blog about going to the first football parents meeting when my son played on the varsity for the first time and going into that meeting and the testosterone <laughs> that was present with the coaches and the dads and the moms were there too, but it was like the dads were just beaming with pride that their sons were on the varsity football team. And there's something different with football. And we are in Alabama. I, I couldn't, there was nothing I could do to help my kid. It was abs. And most of those other dads, there wasn't something that they could do either realistically. Right. That, that was the lie that I was believing. Well, there were a couple. One, that there was something I could do. One, that there was something I should do. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, uh, we think that these things are up to us to get our children where they need to go, whether that's, you know, sitting at the right hand of Jesus or being quarterback on the football team. And the fact of the matter is our children 
belong to God and their paths are his to direct. And, you know, in thinking about this podcast, it suddenly occurred to me that I, as a mom, I don't let the Holy Spirit guide my imagination. I Mm. let my fear. And I always go to, what's the worst thing that could happen? And I immediately have my child failing and living a miserable life alone. If I don't do what I think they need, or if I can't do, give them what they need. I want to let the Holy Spirit guide my imagination. There is a verse that's so precious to me in Ephesians. This is the verse I want to guide my hopes and dreams for my child. Mm. Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory. What the mother of James and John is asking for is glory for her children. And what I think you're saying, Cameron, is that in Christ, we already have Glory. Yeah, and and you know, and back to this conversation about idols. Th- she's essentially saying that you know, it, it, you know, to to extrapolate this from jockeying for your child to be the quarterback or to be the lead in the play, but to take it into the historic context, she's saying that she wants her kids to have cabinet positions mm-hmm. in Jesus's earthly kingdom. She's expecting that Jesus is going to kick out the Romans, he's the Messiah, Israel's going to become a a geopolitical superpower again, and Jesus is going to be the king. Mm. And so she's saying like, hey, Jesus, like when you make him your vice president, make James the giant vice president, and how about make John the secretary of agriculture, Mm. something like that. Mm -hmm. And so so the idol here, it could be the status, that she wants that status, if she has these sons who are powerful. It could be power, could be a sense of financial security. We don't really know which one's at play for her because we don't know her heart, but but we can all identify with the idolatry here. Yes. Um, of wanting to advance our kids. And, and and we're not saying that that's like inherently bad, but it is inherent it is sinful when it's not uh, you know, when we're trying to micromanage, when we're operating out of fear, and when we're operating out of idolatry. And that this to me is the most telling thing. And look, if you're, you know, you're, you're listening to this on a jog, you're listening to this while you're washing the dishes. I listen to stuff while I wash the dishes. Mm-hmm. My wife, honey, I don't want to overstate that I wash the dishes all the time. I try my <laughs> hardest, but I know, I know that I'm batting about 60%, even though it's my job 100%. But what do her sons already have? Mm-hmm. They have a day-to-day, face-to-face relationship with Jesus Christ. It's like, you know, Oh, take a step back, you know, mother of mother of James and John, and you know, and see that like your children have the ultimate prize, mm-hmm. you know, and they're, they they don't need something more, and that's that's what we need to remind ourselves is what's going to satisfy our children is Jesus, and in fact, Jesus did have a plan for both of their lives, mm-hmm. and the plans were good, and they, especially in the case of John. They might not have been the plan the mom would have mapped out, yeah. But oh my goodness, we're still reaping the benefits of Amen. of the writings of John. You know, that that's one of the things that humbles me as a mom is knowing that the plans that I have often aren't 
the the right ones, but in yeah. God's hands. Uh, two of my sons made choices in high school that I didn't agree with. One quit the basketball team, and one switched kinds of debate. And at the time, I was I was really opposed to both of their choices. And both of them absolutely were being guided by the Father, and those choices were really good and fruitful in their lives. Mm. I wasn't wise enough to see it at the time, but I'm really grateful that God was their Father guiding them mm. and put it on both their hearts. To make the changes that, so we got to, I need to trust God with the ways that he's leading my children. It's good. It's really good. Do you know a high school student who loves God's word and feels called to pursue a future in ministry? Encourage them to check out Biola University's Bible, Theology, and Ministry program. In five years or less, students can earn a bachelor's degree and a master's degree from Biola's Talbot School of Theology, getting a solid biblical foundation from one of the nation's leading seminaries. You can learn more at biola.edu backslash Bible. And one thing I need to say, and we're about to go into Luke 18, Luke 18, 9 through 14. Um, but before I get into that, one thing I do want to say is we're not being Pollyanna. Like we know that, you you know, as, to be a responsible parent, that there are certain things vocationally, yes. professionally, financially, whatever it is that, you know, you're training and teaching your kid. Jesus, Luke 252, it says Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and favor with man. So it says that Jesus grew intellectually. He grew physically. He grew spiritually and he grew socially. And so, you know, he was being parented by God the Father. He was also being parented by Mary and Joseph. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, in like things of the world, like they were they were taking care of his physical his physical health, and um, they were taking care of his you know they were taking care of his they they, they were they were they were speaking into all facets of his life. So we're not we don't want to hyper spiritualize and and act like you know because I mean you can be listening to this and be like, hey guys, like get real, you know I do I my my kid is failing third grade and. I got to get him a tutor. You know, what do you want, want me to do? Just sit down and do a devotional. Anyhow, we're, we're, we don't know. We're not, um, we're not living, you know, outside of reality, but we are saying that we want the, the focus for the child, the, the focus to be on promoting their relationship with Jesus. Yes, absolutely. That's a good word. Thank you. All right. So Luke 18, uh, nine through 14, um, team mom, would you mind reading this passage? He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Good stuff. Okay, now you may have read, heard us reading that, and you're like, what in the world? Does that have to do with anything? <laughs> so here, you know, you've got two men going before God, and you know, one's Pharisee, one's a tax collector. And uh, what we're going to hone in here on here is the Pharisee. Mm-hmm. And here's, it's, it, we're, we're in verse 12. I'll read 11 and 12, or just look at 11 and 12. But, you know, basically the Pharisee goes before God and says, man, God, thank you that I'm not a sinner like these other people. And then in verse 12, he goes and he says, you know, I do these things. And he basically is talking about 
what he's doing to justify himself. Okay, so he, he's being contrasted with a tax collector who his justification comes through the mercy of God. Like he's repenting and confessing his sin and looking to God alone for his mercy. And he ends up justified, you know, his sins forgiven, receiving the righteousness of Christ. And the here's the thing on verse 12 that you need to like, I want you to pay attention to. And that is I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. These he was the Pharisees would do things that were beyond what the law required. So the law required fasting only once a year. That was on the day of atonement. Um, but some Pharisees, they would fast twice a week on Monday and Thursday. If you were a really very pious Pharisee and then uh, tithing, um, you only had to tithe a certain part of your crops, but Pharisees would tithe their herbs too. They'd be doing something. And that kind of silly. Yeah. It's like, Lord, not only do I give you my corn, but here is my rosemary. Here's my, my parsley. Leaf. Here's my parsley and my cilantro. <laughs> your garnishes um, for your right, table. Oh, that's Lord. right. And so here's the thing. Like, I always like to say this. You're not required to do anything that the Bible does not command you to do. Mm. Okay? So as a parent, when you look through the Bible, really all it talks about relative to parenting is character. You know, like seeing your child, disciplining your child rebuking your child, teaching your child, training your child in godliness. It doesn't say anything about, you know, optimizing your child's opportunities for success in a market economy. <laughs> it's not, it's not, I don't think that's, a, you know, that's in a Hezekiah 316. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And so I think one thing as a parent that can give you some freedom is to say, uh, where in the Bible does it say I have to do this? Mm. You know, I, I tell the story really about, I call it the um, math, the math crisis, the third grade math crisis, Crestline third grade math crisis. <laughs> so in our school, isn't it? It wasn't just Crestline, but, um, but in our school system, there was this frenzy going into third grade because there, there would be kind of like an advanced math. Yep. And if you didn't do advanced math, um, then there was a track started there in the third grade. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't get on the track, then you couldn't take BC calculus <laughs> when they were a senior in high school, talking you, third grade, automatically, 10 school years out. Yeah, automatically mm -hmm. crossing Princeton off the Disqual list. <laughs> You're disqualified from the kingdom of God if you don't <laughs> take BC calculus, right? <laughs> and so... Um, and so there would be this spiral where the parents would be yeah. like, well, if they don't take it now, but they decide they won't, we're, we're going to try to do it later, then they have to take zero period math, which is, which is a crisis. That is like a human rights scandal <laughs> where they would have yeah. to go to school. They do two years worth of math in one year and they, go, they start math at 7 a.m. They have to go an hour early uh -huh. Uh -huh. and they go to math for two hours. Yep. And, um, and so... <laughs> These, Which is hell. By, yes. by the way, you're already in hell. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, totally. So you've got second grade parents whose kids are weaning off of Paw Patrol Aww. and they're freaking out about BC calculus, you know? I And so the, the, the thing here is like, where in the Bible does it say that your kid has to take BC calculus mm -hmm. or that your kid has to take advanced math or, mm -hmm. or, or, or that your child has to go to college or... You know, it, where in the Bible does it say your child has to do these things or that you as a parent have to, you know, afford them these things? It, you know, 
if it doesn't say you have to do it in the Bible, you're not bound to it, you know? Mm-hmm. And certainly the Lord in our individual lives does kind of subjectively say like, hey, I, I'm, I'm calling you to, he convicts us to do certain things through the Holy Spirit. Um, but like, I just want to say like the world builds up extra laws yes, about what makes you a good parent and extra laws on how you justify yourself as a parent. And then we compare ourselves to these extra laws and we compare ourselves to other people that we don't think are living up to them and we make right. ourselves feel better, which is, which is what is happening right here. That's it. And that's the law, um, not the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so with that being said, just like some application questions that for you to think of as you're, you know, trying to, trying to, Find peace in Christ in this, trying to repent, trying to discern wisdom. Um, one question is, where in the Bible does it, I ha- does it say that I have to do blank for my child? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, like, it, so this, the, the, here is where the law frees you. So you're like, I, I know, you know what? We, we don't have to sign our kid up for that. You know, we don't have to do a travel team. We don't, you know, we don't have to do that extra tutor or whatever it is. You know, it might be that God's calling you to do that, and that's the wise and good choice, but you're doing that because the Good Shepherd has laid that on your heart and the Holy Spirit's leading you, not out of a sense of fear and obligation to justify yourself. Second question, what am I afraid of? Like, let the spiral, like, let yourself do the full slippery slope spiral, see what's at the bottom, and analyze it. Mm. It's like, okay, so my fear here is that my kid, this isn't going to happen, this isn't going to happen, this isn't going to happen, and they're going to be poor. huh? Or they're going to be unhappy. Or whatever it is. And that's going to give you a pretty good indication on what the idol is that's mm. in play. Yeah, it's great. You know, and so, and then, and it's also when you get to the bottom, um, you can say, it, it helps you to know where to trust the Lord. If your, your fear is that my child is not going to be financially stable, then you're like, you know what? I got to trust that God is Jehovah Jireh. He's God, my provider. And he's going to provide for their needs, whatever that might look like. Um, or if it's that my child's going to be unhappy and you're like, you know what? You know, God, I trust in El Shaddai. God is, <laughs> God is my more than enough. You know, Jesus is the bread of life. He's the one who satisfies the soul. Um, and so, so just, you know, allow yourself to analyze those fears. And that's going to give you some, some good direction on what at the heart level you're really afraid of and, and where you need to repent and where you need to trust the Lord. What, what part of the gospel, what part of God's goodness are you not trusting in? And then last question I would say is what, what's the idol that's in play here? Mm-hmm. You know, and I said that that previous exercise kind of helps, but you know, for yourself to think like, okay, what's cause idols, idols aren't real gods. You need a real God. <laughs> you need a real God. We're made for a real God that actually delivers. Mm. Your idol cannot deliver, del- not reliably. And so it should make you afraid um, because you have an insufficient God that's actually not real. Mm-hmm. And so um, so w- with the, um, when you see what the idol is, that whether it's security, people's opinion, status, money, whatever it may be, uh, when you see what the idol is, you know what to repent from mm-hmm. and know what to trust the Lord for. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good. So good. You got any closing thoughts there, team mom? 
Yeah, I just, uh, I want to encourage us to, to take our fears to the Lord, to repent of our idols, to um, really work to lay those things down and realize that they don't satisfy and turn our eyes to the one who's able to do abundantly more than we ask or think yeah. um, and, and bless our children in ways that we don't even know that they need or um, take them places that we didn't even realize that they were going to go that are far better suited to them mm-hmm. than anything we could dream of. Amen. Good stuff. And, you know, I think this is a big takeaway here is don't operate out of fear and obligation in this area. Like with, with whatever it is that whatever steps you take, just pray and let the good shepherd be the one who marks and orders your steps. You know, trust, trust in the Lord, acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll make straight your path. And so then you're operating out of obedience to the Lord and operating, you're going to be operating in peace and not out of like fear and haste so yes. team mom that was a good combo that was fun it was uplifting thanks so much for joining us on the rooted parent podcast if you would be a lamb and uh write a nice review for us on uh wh- wherever you're getting your podcast that would be that'd be helpful we still love you if you don't we know you're busy <laughs> you know we know you're on a walk right now but but otherwise god bless you thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time bye y'all We hope that you enjoyed this episode of Rooted Parent. If you found this podcast helpful or encouraging, we'd appreciate your help in bringing this grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated content to others who might also benefit. Help us serve others by sharing this resource on social media, by leaving five-star feedback, or simply by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated resources, be sure to visit www.rootedministry.com. As always, special thanks to High Street Hymns for the music featured on this episode. This podcast is made available to you by Rooted Ministry for educational purposes only, not to provide specific therapeutic advice. The views expressed are the personal perspectives of the authors and do not represent the views of all counselors or of the counseling profession. This podcast does not create a counselor-client relationship and should not be used as a substitute for competent therapeutic counsel from a licensed professional in your state.